You are listening to the Boss Business Surgery Series podcast, episode 22. We talk today about lessons everyone should hear on CVs with Dr. Emily Steinhagen. Welcome surgeons. Residency didn't teach us everything we need to learn to be a successful surgeon. While we spent our time caring for patients and learning how to operate, we didn't learn how to advocate for ourselves or navigate our career. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Vertries. I'm a general surgeon, certified coach, and founder of the Boss Business of Surgery series. This is where you'll learn those lessons not taught in residency. Welcome back. I have a special guest today. This is Dr. Emily Steinhagen. I saw a post in a group where she talked about offering advice for CVs. It's something that I wanted to talk about anyway. So I thought I would bring her on and we can talk about tips that are necessary for creating a really fantastic CV. So Dr. Steinhagen, introduce yourself, will you? Thank you so much for having me. I think your podcast is such a great asset for surgeons who are looking to enrich their careers beyond what we have already learned in residency and some of the things that we wish we had time for in our curriculum and training and even as we transition to faculty members. So thanks for having me today. Absolutely. I am a colorectal surgeon. I, I, I live in Cleveland and I work at University Hospitals, which, which is an affiliation of Case Medical Center, of Case Western Medical School. And I am a colorectal surgeon. In addition to being clinically busy, I do some research and I'm very passionate about surgical education. I work with medical students, residents, and colorectal residents. And I've gotten really involved in some national organizations, which has also been really rewarding. Fantastic. Now, I know that, um, that you created this, this tips for others for CVs. And why did you do that? What were the main things that you saw that people were doing wrong? The original need for this came from some of our trainees and some of our new faculty who just really didn't even know where to get started with their CVs. And that was the impetus for doing this to begin with. And the gap was very clear that the idea was that we were going to have a CV workshop, but then we realized that people didn't even have CVs to bring to the workshop. So we had to take it down a couple steps. I think the first thing is recognizing that you need to have a CV and that your CV in surgery is not going to be the same thing as the resume that you use to apply for the job in college. And even the one you use to apply in residency uh, apply for residency in ERAS. And um, I think that's an excellent place to start because the very first thing is someone who is listening here, I guarantee you there's at least many people here that say, I do not even know where to start. I would much rather not even look at it. So let's start with how do we start the CV process? The first thing to do is figure out if your institution has a format that you're going to have to follow. If they do, great, use it. If they don't, you have a few options. The first is the AAMC has a CV template. The other option would be to find a trusted mentor or someone who's a few years ahead of you that has a similar job situation to you that you can use as a template. So the first thing is to just look at what you need to include. Give yourself an overview and break it down. You don't need to do it all in one sitting. The first goal is to just have a template with section headings. Right. Um, and I completely agree. Like there are some academic institutions, especially that will have a specific format to go by. And um, I'll put the link for the AAMC um, as well. Cause I think that's what a lot of people reference as they, so they have their headings and I have some, my, my own ideas as well, but how do you tell people to start? Like, where do they figure out where all that they're doing, you know, what is important, what is not important? What would you give some 
someone advice for when it comes to like how to start in filling in the gaps? So I think the first thing often ends up being the easy stuff, the education, the employment, where you did your training. Uh, and then depending on the format, I, publications are fairly easy. PubMed actually makes it really easy to cite. If you there, There's a way to just cite an article that'll immediately bring it up and you can literally copy and paste it. And if you just do those things, you've gotten a good start, but you may not have publications or that may be not what you wanna highlight. Uh, so you might wanna put something else first, if it's permissible by your format. Uh, and then you want to, but if you are going to follow this sort of more academic format, you're going to look at things you've written. That should be fairly easy to recreate, uh, either through your own memory or just emails, even sometimes invitations to write that chapter or whatever else. Um, the next thing you also need to include is talks. Some of the advice I got was to separate podium and presentations on a national level from the ones at regional meetings. And that's a little bit of, if you give the same presentation at your local meeting and then you give it at a national meeting, it's nice to not have those two lines back to back on your CV. Um, separating out other invited talks. And then the category that I think people tend to have the most difficulty with starts to fall into service. And service takes a few forms. There's the service to your department, there's the service to your institution, and then there's service if you're on a committee or you're part of a program or another initiative. And I think that's where people start to forget what they're doing. It also speaks to how they value what they're doing. You know, I think that a lot of times we get on these committees, we're like, well, you know, I was voluntold to do it, or, you know, I, I really liked it and it's not a big deal. Um, and we really, devaluing the things. Um, and, and I think that a lot of it has to do with the environment. Like when you're surrounded by high achievers, we forget that we're also high achievers. And I think really recognizing, like, just, just like you said, all the things that you do, you can always like drop stuff off, but adding all the things that you do and then finding a way, like, does that represent who I am? And is that what I want to be represented and really highlighting those things? Like if, if you're interested in quality, then obviously like anything that you do towards quality is going to, to matter and highlighting, you're making sure that it's highlighted on your CV um, in a way that starts to paint the picture of who you are. Right. And I think that if you're starting almost from scratch or you need to do a big time overhaul of your CV, one of the ways to start is look at your calendar. Any, rep any repeated meeting you have should be something you consider including if you're the quality if, if you sit on the qi committee or the root cause analysis committee or even if you end up getting roped in to help improve turnover time in your operating room any of those things can count just like if you help the clerkship director improve the experience on your service like that needs a title that has a that has a role and even if it's a short time period that you do it all of those things add value on your cv i think it's better to be inclusive as you get started because you can always take things off but if your career takes a turn that you didn't necessarily expect you may actually have very relevant experiences on there even if you don't realize at the time that you're doing them that they're going to have a future importance for you and i have some seen some of these 
on CVs, and this may not stay on your CV forever, but especially like, you know, residents or students, like, you know, what are you teaching? Who are you supporting? Who are you mentoring? Um, you know, what are these different presentations that you're giving? Like internal ones may not hold as much value later, but certainly you're doing them now. And so really kind of developing an educational portfolio, even early on that you can always prune later, maybe something that's helpful. Absolutely. That's very true. Mo many residency programs have their chief residents give grand rounds or they do a debate with a faculty member. That is a regional presentation or a local presentation, depending on how you want to categorize it. And keeping all those things at the beginning doesn't mean you're going to keep them on forever. You may end up with a big master CV that you use for yourself, and then you can tailor it later on to include those things if they're relevant or not. And you know, your chief resident grand rounds may be important for the first five years of your career, and then it may come off. But let's say you end up using it and it's a topic you're passionate about and becomes sort of your niche. It can also lend evidence to a longitudinal interest and a deep interest in something. And so that's reason alone to leave it. Uh, I think when you do things as a trainee, especially, you forget that that actually counts. Um, if, you're, if you're the one who is giving that orientation to the medical students every time about the surgical resident's perspective on what makes a successful clerkship experience, like put that on there. You're not committed to it for life uh, to keep it on your CV, but it, it can be a really great thing to do. Absolutely. It's, you know, kind of recognizing that your CV is going to, to change over time, which I know we'll get a, a little bit more into that, into the maintaining aspect of it too. Uh, but I also liked your idea about, you know, sk skimming your email for things that you've done too, if you've forgotten. <laughs> Oftentimes yeah, email is like absolutely. a, a goldmine of things that we've done systems in general is helpful. You know, it, it's great for your CV to have a system, but it's also great to just have email folders, right? It makes it easier to go back. My email is not incredibly organized, but there's a folder called research. There's a folder called students. There's a folder about departmental policies. And I can always go back to it easily. It takes just as much time to put it into a folder as it does to just delete it, which is often my inclination. Um, and I think setting yourself up for success and thinking about your future self saying, is my future self going to be happy with this? Um, and sometimes spending a few minutes creating an organizational system saves you time in the long run. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. You know, I, I visit this a lot with folks about your past self, your current self and your future self. You know, you want your CV to represent adequately who you were to get here to this position. Your CV should also represent who you are currently right now applying for whatever job that you're applying but then also, you know, anticipating what your future self is going to need. Like, is this leading to the track record um, that you want to maintain is a really great strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's true in the operating room. And we, we think about that sometimes when we know we're going to have to go back or we have to plan for a situation where we might have to go back. We say, what's going to make that better next time? What's going to make that easier next time? And, and doing it that way. But I think that works outside of the operating room too. And it's really hard when you're very busy to think about anybody other than your current self. Mm -hmm. But most of us have moments where we regret our, our, our previous actions and we say, oh man, I'm really unhappy with my past self. I wish I had done it differently. And then keeping it in mind to say, what's my future self going to like me for? Uh, and doing it that way, whether it's patient care and the way you write your notes in clinic or keeping your CV or your email or, sort of organized. Yes. And these decisions that we make now is very kind to our future self as we apply for an award that we want or things like that. And having all the stuff ready to go even before you need it is so helpful. 
Yes. I think that that sort of stuff can be a real barrier because if you want to apply for anything, whether it's a committee or a grant or another opportunity, or even you're like, well, maybe I am kind of interested in seeing what else is out there on the job market. The inertia to get started is really amplified when you don't have everything organized and your CV is not ready to go. And it, it, it just makes it much more difficult to seek things out when you're not set. So I recommend keeping your CV obviously up to date, but keeping what I would call collateral documents as well. And that may be a photocopy of your driver's license and your medical school diploma. It may be PDFs of published articles. It may be little bio sketch paragraphs that you had to write for various grant opportunities. It may be the letter of recommendation that your chair wrote for you when you applied for something. And if you want to apply again, all you have to do is send it back to them with a little bit of an update. But having all of that in one place that's easily accessible really decreases the barriers to seeking out some of these opportunities. Yes. And, you know, that work you do now is going to potentially inhibit you from getting these things. Um, Absolutely so critical why we should have it. Um, Let's move into some practical things, some tips, um, mistakes that you've seen people make and ways to kind of set yourself up for creating the most successful CV that you have. So as we said, the first thing is using a template. I think some of the other things are relatively straightforward when we talk about them, but when it comes time to actually doing them, being consistent is probably the most important one. Being consistent about the way you list dates, like month and year, or are you putting a number for the month? Are you always using the same font? Are you always using italics similarly? Those sorts of decisions up front help. And it's also really helpful, and this sounds maybe, maybe, maybe a little to the extreme, but having the same font that you use for everything that you write, you know, your Word documents are all the same one, because when you need to copy and paste, it's so easy then, and you don't have to go back and fix it. I also think it, it is helpful to maintain. And every time you say yes to something, put it on there now. Okay, if it gets canceled, you delete it. That's no big deal. Uh, but I think just being very organized And recognizing that if somebody notices that your CV seems less coherent or less cohesive because one year you wrote ACS and the next year you wrote the American College of Surgeons, those little details may lead them to make conclusions about you that are not true, but have a create a negative bias towards some of your other abilities. And that sort of stuff is little and it's silly to let it get in your way even more reason to start it ahead of time. Um, I love your idea of declaring a personal font, you know, <laughs> but you know, doing these things, like if you're doing it last minute, of course, you're not going to be able to have time for the consistency. You may get the important things on there, but you know, if recognizing that it's in a representation of who you are um, is, is helpful and that you don't have to make life difficult on yourself by doing it at the last minute, because you won't have the fonts all the same. You won't have all these things if you only have a short period of time to do it. Yeah. And I think some of the other little tips that may or may not be part of a template, but I would still recommend is um, have a header at the top of the page with your name on it, because once your CV starts to get long, it's nice that your name is on every page for someone who gets it printed out for them uh, and maybe reviewing multiple things at once. Word has a feature to insert the current date. So you can have the current date that it was sent to someone so they know when it was. And when you send your CV, ideally, you're going to send it as a PDF 
just for your own sort of protection. Uh, but having the current date that it was created is helpful as well. Oh, really great tips. Kind of transition to our third one is like, you know, what can we use our CVD for um, as far as like for our future? So I know we've kind of talked about what we can use our CV for, for identifying what we may do in the future. I think it's really nice to have a CVD when it takes time, when you want to take the time to reflect or to get some career development advice, you can use it on your own or with the input of someone else who you trust to identify gaps and say, if this is my goal, why don't I have anything in this category, right? If I, if I ultimately want to be involved on a national level in my specialty organization, I, I really need to join a committee. And why haven't I done that? And what's holding me back? Um, or for someone to say to you, hey, you know, if you want to be considered for a promotion, here are the criteria. And actually in this category, you have nothing. I, I think that can be really helpful as a way to identify what you want to do more of and what you want to do less of and what you need to do to reach your goals. So making your CV work for you. And then thinking of it as trying to tell a piece of your story. Obviously, we are all so much more than our CVs and the itemized list doesn't really reflect everything we have to contribute, but shaping a, a narrative of why you have relevant experiences or why you'd be a good fit for a certain opportunity is another way to think about it. Yeah, I like, I like the idea that, you know, if, it, if the CV is telling your story, is it telling the right story or is it giving you a message that, you know, you need to fill in these gaps um, for the career that you want? And seems like it's very obvious to have, you know, obviously you could read it, but have someone else read it and say, like, what does this CV say to you? Like, you know, what do you think that I'm good at? Or what do you think my strengths are based on what you're seeing from here? And does that accurately um, reflect what I want the world to see? And I can also see asking for other people's CVs to see, like, how are they portraying themselves? Is there a way that they're doing it that I can maybe do it better? Um, that would also, you know, help me tell my story. Um, a little bit more effectively. Absolutely. And I think especially if you are someone who has unique interests that don't fit into the strict bounds of an academic CV um, or a traditional CV for whatever setting you're in, you have to find a way to put that on here. So if you give a lot of podcast interviews or you start a support group for surgeons or you become a coach, there's no predefined spot for that in a lot of templates. That doesn't mean you can't add it. You in fact should add it and you shouldn't necessarily put it all the way at the bottom if it's the most important thing to you that you're doing. I was also laughing as you're talking about all these things going, I feel it attacked. <laughs> Of doing any of these things. The, the great news is, though, that especially in surgery, people want to help one another. Yeah. And I've definitely looked at other people's CVs for them when I have no connection to them. Otherwise, you know, through that online group, I, I've I've helped a few people along the way, and I've also anecdotally been told because this I think this is the second or third time it's come up in discussion in that one group that even having it there was a little bit of positive pressure for them to say, "Yeah, I got to do it." Um, and talking about these things is, I think is helpful because it, it, it does give you a little bit of a push. It really does. And, you know, I can tell you that um, when I prepared for this, um, the workshop that I did myself um, back in 2015 is even just searching the groups. And then as we were preparing for this, I searched the groups again, too. And it's remarkable how little practical advice there is beyond other, other than, you know, some of the basic stuff. 
Um, so I think Absolutely. everything that you're offering here so far is so helpful. The next thing, you know, kind of transitioning to, you know, are you going to have just one CV or is it a little bit more than that? And I think we had talked a little bit about that. But what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that you should have one that goes, that has everything on it. That's your base that you start with. And then if you make different ones for different opportunities, save them with a different file name and save them with either the date or what it's for or what it is. But don't take things off of your personal master copy because you're going to want to work from that every time unless something's different. And you also don't want to have to remember to update five different documents. Yes, I like the idea of like labeling it CV master 2022. And then if it's for a particular award or if it's a particular um, something that you're applying for, um, really having the master with the date and then some more details from here too will make your life so much easier. I think we also talked about that it's not like um, it's not a Word document, it's more of a file. And you've already mentioned this too of like in that file with your CV, having the PDF copies of your article in case someone asks, you know, having letters of recommendation and having maybe some essays that you've written in the past that you can maybe tweak for these things um, are ways to kind of keep everything all together to where it's all accessible when you need it. Yep. And I think another thing to keep track of that we really forget about is all the people we mentor. Anyone who you sort of have a longitudinal relationship with that falls into that category is someone that you should put down. Because when someone says, oh, hey, I need to contact five of the people you've taught or mentored or whatever, you don't always remember everyone you want to list who is particularly likely to actually respond to the email request for the reference or whatever it is. Uh, and you want to keep track of what you did and what the kind of mentorship you provided was, that should be a separate document probably that you just keep separately uh, and use that as needed. But another easy category to forget that's a really important way that so many of us are serving. I can um, imagine like if you're helping someone, you're going to be writing them a letter of recommendation. So maybe you're having a file letter of recommendations for people you mentor and then having a master file of, you know, adding them on as you do these letters of recommendations, maybe an easy way for ongoing way to do that. That's a great idea. Yeah. And so then let's transition to um, how we maintain this. Cause I think you had a great system for um, talking about maintaining this. And first is, you know, creating that file in the first place. Now, what is your system for maintaining your CV? It has to be done regularly. I do things almost one at a time. When I submit a manuscript, it goes on my CV right away. When an abstract or something else I did was submit it or accept it at a meeting. It stay, that email acceptance stays in my inbox until my CV is updated. It's a way of gently nudging me because most of us look at our email and try not to get our inboxes completely out of control. So keeping it in that inbox really helps me. And then when I'm at a national meeting, I often have a few minutes of downtime where I say, is everything I'm doing here on my CV already? And I double check it. Um, every time I accept an invitation to talk, whether it's to medical students or GI fellows or someone else, I put it on my CV and I think it's better to have things in the future state when you, I'm putting it on my calendar. So I'm putting it on my CV, uh, rather than forgetting about it and trying to backtrack later. That's sort of my main system that anytime I say yes to something, it goes on there right then and there before I take it out of my email that requires that you maintain your email, which I know not everybody does. 
But again, like thinking about your future self, it's helpful to do. And the other piece of advice I have about that is just because you've never done it before doesn't mean you can't start now. You don't have to start back from scratch when you started your job and like file all those emails away into the appropriate folder. You can just make an email that says everything before 2022 um, and then start right from there. I, I think that for the perfectionists among us, that's like very daunting to say, well, I have never done it. And now if I'm going to start, it's going to be so much work but just start now and just start doing it. You know, I tell my kids all the time, good decisions are always available to you starting right now. And I think that's also true for ourselves. hundred uh, percent agree. And um, there's a couple of points that you had there. They're really helpful. You know, the, the first thing is that, you know, what we always teach people is that the very first way to get out of overwhelm is just take a step. And I loved your idea of, you know, when you're in overwhelm of where to start, you just start that one file is like before right now, and then everything goes there before, then you can kind of you know, clean up where you're at right now. And then you can kind of maybe pull things back. Um, but overwhelm, the only way to get out of overwhelm is to take an action. Um, and that's a really great one. And I loved how you paired your CV with your email and your calendar. And so it's, it's like a natural breathing thing over time. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, when I like thought about bringing this up, I looked back, my last CV was 2017 when I, when I did this job. And it was a little overwhelming to think that because I have not maintained it. And so I think if you're in the academic environment, you're updating it regularly, you know, very helpful to pair it with your email and calendar. Absolutely. And, and if you have to go back in time, I think you can do it, right? So some of it is, did you speak at a meeting in any way? Like, there aren't that many different meetings that you're going to speak at. If you if you speak at Sages, just search their archives for the meetings. You'll find the name of your talk and the date. Um, and if you speak at the ACS, it's the same thing. All of this is still available online. And if you write regularly, that's fine too. The things that are hard to backtrack on are sort of local and institutional service and teaching activities, are the, I think, are the hardest ones to remember. You know, you reviewed an article once for a journal it's impossible to remember that, but actually that's a CVable activity. And as a side note about that, um, publons.com is a great way for, to have someone else keep track of articles that you review. If you sign up for an account, it's P-U-B-L-O-N-S and it's free. Every time you review an article, if you just forward the thank you for reviewing to them, they track it for you. Uh, so I have no idea how many articles I reviewed in the last year, but I can look it up and I can tell you which journals it was for. And that's at my institution, that's really great because occasionally someone asks something like that. Um, and if you want to be on an editorial board, having that information at your fingertips is there. But I literally can't keep that's like one thing I cannot keep track of. So I found someone else to keep track of it for me, essentially. It's genius. Um, and I get to tell you, um, being a community surgeon, um, I, you know, I had publications I had to keep track of things before, but I don't have as many of those anymore. Um, and so I, for someone like me who may not have as much on the calendar, as much in the email, or at least different things now is maybe putting alert on your calendar or your phone, you know, on this date, maybe quarterly, I'm going to assess what I've done. And that's, you know, for a community hospital, things that matter, like the, the committees that you're on, you forgot about and how long have you been on there and what have you done for it too? And I think not just what are you on, but what did you contribute to that too? We, we, we always underestimate what we do and yes. keep this kind of a, a real time um, and whether it's quarterly or monthly or something like that of, you know, putting some, a pin on the calendar, if you don't have these frequent reminders, putting a pin on the calendar, that's, you know, an artificial reminder, uh, maybe a way to keep it maintained things 
I wished I had done before. Absolutely. And I think what, what you said is so true that your environment dictates what you do. I think being able to catalog things and being able to characterize them. So maybe you, you got tapped to make a small curriculum about your specialized surgery that you're the only one that does um, for the nurses. And you, you made a narrated PowerPoint. Well, great. That's curriculum development. That's perfect. Put it on there. Uh, and that committee that you were on and you did some specific project that you were the chair of that project, or you gave a talk in the community to patients, all of that is relevant because that's the stuff that ultimately you're going to need to promote yourself within your institution. And if you decide you want to do something, you can use it as evidence that you're able to follow through on a task, even if it's not directly related to what you want to do next. The idea that you can start something, carry out to completion, and actually keep track of it is really valuable. Even if you're not sort of in the academic realm, I think that everywhere you go, you ultimately are asked to give an accounting of how you're doing and what you're doing there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just as you were talking to us thinking, well, I remember, you know, developing an ERAS protocol for this. And I remember doing this, like things that you do as part of your job, um, but really are uh, important things. And it, it comes to really just we don't necessarily value all the things that we do every day. And it's just a reminder that, that we do a lot of really valuable, important things all the time that we may take for granted. Um, and this may be another way for looking at other people's CVs to see what they're putting on there. Say, like, well, I do that too. And I can see how that kind of came across and, and I could you know utilize that um, as well. Absolutely. That's very, very, very true. Um, and I think again, not selling yourself short on what you're doing and how you're adding value and what you're learning and not knowing what the future holds and being open to new experiences and saying, you know, I may not know anything about QI, but I know a lot about ERAS. And that's clearly going to translate into what I want to do next. And when you apply for something, you then have all this evidence that you're capable of doing what you want to do because your CV is often going to someone who doesn't know you well. Uh, who doesn't know all of your accomplishments the way you do or your direct boss does. And so you want it to be very inclusive. Absolutely. Um, and one thing that I've known for myself, sometimes these uh, things come up that are like sudden, keeping like a bank of people who can write letters of recommendations for you. Where it's like, I might be applying for something in the future. You know, would you be happy writing me a letter? Then holding that onto it. So when you do have something in the future, you could send it to them and say, Thank you for doing this in the past. Would you mind tailoring this or, you know, for this particular award? Because a lot of times, sometimes if you see some of these um, new awards or opportunities, um, you may not have as much time to give someone else to support you on your behalf. And having in that CV folder, um, other supporting documents like letters or recommendation ahead of time may be something that's helpful to make sure you get the best representation for you. Absolutely. And I think more and more I've been asked to provide a draft of a letter if I'm asking someone for one. So I kind of joke around that I hoard PowerPoints and I hoard documents. I have letters of recommendation that came across my desk because I read someone else's something. Um, and I save them not because I'm going to use them necessarily, but because they might inspire me when I have to do my own. And that's great. You know, and seeing what other people wrote when they applied for whatever it was, you know, some a friend says to me, hey, can you look at my application for this? Or can you look at my personal statement? I hang on to them because I go back to them and say, hey, how did they approach that? 
you know, writer's block is real. And if you have to write about yourself, it is the hardest thing. So sometimes it helps to sort of use someone else's work as a jumping off point for those experiences. And then when someone says, I'm happy to write you a letter, can you draft it for me? You're like, yep, no problem. Exactly. I think it was a great idea too. Because And and also, you know, having it there and having other people look at it, because, you know, again, we underestimate our accomplishments and we will downplay. We don't want to be, you know, too far out there and things like that too. And this is not the time to be humble. <laughs> right. These are all things you did. The, the positives that get, the positive attributes and adjectives that get added to them are people's impressions, but the things you're putting on your CV are facts. And I think that that's a really important thing. You're not selling yourself short unless you forget to put things on there. And you're not overselling yourself if you actually went to that committee meeting and you actually gave that mentoring session and you, you actually did those things. Absolutely, they should be on there. We don't recognize our own value a lot, especially for these things that we just say, oh yeah, I just did that. It was no big deal. I, I like doing it. It was fun. You know, I just went to a couple of meetings or whatever it is. I, I always tell our trainees, put everything on there. Absolutely. And, and you know, the reason we have these CVs and letter recommendation is that there is something that we see that we could offer the world. And if we sell ourselves short, we are selling, you know, the world of what we have to offer. And that's why it's important. It's not about us. It's about what we have to contribute to the world. And I think, you know, keeping that first and foremost is the person you're going to serve or the person you're going to help. I mean, that's what the whole purpose of this process is, is to make sure that you are the right person for the right job and you get it. I think that's such an interesting way of looking at it that, you know, when we're applying for things, we're often applying to serve in another way. Uh, and if you're the best qualified, then you are going to do the best job in that service role. And it's really not selfish and it's not self-promoting to ask to do more. Absolutely. Um, well, this is really helpful. And I think there's so many of these tips that are so critical. Some that I'm going to do myself because goodness knows, like I said, there's time, a few times there when I was like, I should probably do some of these myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, really appreciate you coming on to understand how you get And is there anything else that you want to offer um, to anyone in the boss community? The point that I would make the most, again, if I could reiterate one thing, it would, would be to think about your future self and be kind, as kind to your future self as you are to your best friend. Oh, well, that's a really fantastic thought. And uh, on that note, I'll make sure to put some of these relevant tips and links in the, co the show comments. And thank you so much, Dr. Sanhagen, for coming uh, and talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thanks for listening. Visit BossSurgery.com to hear the latest updates in the Boss Business of Surgery series. And don't forget to rate and review the show. Thank you.